So earlier today or yesterday, I think you sent me a link uh, about the future of Clipper, which is their like research or like community outreach thing for whatever the second generation of uh, Clipper is going to be. I did. And did you end up taking the survey? I, I certainly did. All right. So what, I'm, what I'm did an you active get out of citizen. Good, good. <laughs> um, well, so, so for some context here, so I, I found out about this. I guess this is a project that's been ongoing for a while. And I became aware of this because Bart did a um, Q&A on Twitter yesterday, which was pretty, pretty entertaining. I'd recommend going back and reading through some of those if you haven't. Whoever runs Bart's Twitter handles actually... He's very good. Or he or she is very good. A little snarky at times, which I kind of appreciate. Um, but, but done so in a way that, you know, the, the snark is usually warranted. Let's put it that way. Well, if if your job was just dealing with a bunch of people doing like angry, sassy at replies, like I think they'd do it extremely well. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so so back to back to your question here. So I I, I took the survey, and I mean, I, you know, Clipper two point um, or the future of Clipper um, is it's it's basically exactly what you think it would be. It's migrating Clipper towards an app on your phone, um, <clears throat> which, you know, that, that part, I think anybody could sort of predict. Um, but I don't know. One thing I thought that was a little interesting that I, that I hadn't thought too much of is I guess a lot of the feedback they get comes around, um, reporting. Like I guess people, um, and they, they do have reports available. If you just go to clippercard.com, like you can look at your, you know, last month of activity. And I think you can look back maybe even like for the entire life of your card, but it's not super intuitive or easy to find. And I guess part of what they're looking to do here is make that easier to kind of surface, you know, how much you use it, how much you're spending, um, which, you know, that seems smart. Yeah, and I think a lot of this is like exploration for stuff um, related to maybe modernizing the system whenever they get around to doing that. Because like right now, it is it is a complex problem that they're solving for, where they're linking together like I think it's like seven or eight different like um, regional transportation things into one big system. Uh, but right now, it's still just like the NFC or RFID card. Um, so you can't use your phone, you can't do any of that other kind of stuff. And like the website is very very clearly from two thousand eight. It, sorry, it, no. Sorry, no. Let me rephrase that. It's a um, exactly what you think a government website from 2008 would look like, which means it's a regular website from 2003. Um, but, but yeah, the, the, the future of Clipper site is actually pretty nice. Well, no, here's the, so yes, but then when when you click on the survey, then what uh, the thing it redirects you to is M I G W E Mig Web Tech, and I was like, wouldn't you just use Survey Monkey or something? Like I know it's probably some government thing, but what is MIG Web Tech? But but anyway, the whole reason I, I brought this up because like this this is again it's a government thing, so this won't actually do anything or happen until like 2020. And I think that's by their own admission, like that they have to do all the like that community outreach stuff and then do all the planning has to get certified. But um, did I ever tell you about the thing of when I tried to get a, the white Clipper card? Um, maybe. Do you, are you aware that there are different Clipper cards? I I think there's like a 25% chance we've already talked about this on the show but but Quite I possibly. don't but I but I don't recall the details now. 
so like back when this originally came out, I was like, I saw some people were using a white version of the Clipper. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. It's like this was kind of when like the white iPhone, <laughs> iPhone four came out. That is totally something you would notice, but but continue. But then like I did some recon on it, and apparently it's <laughs> um, only for senior citizens. And in so, order, so to... then you, so then you immediately applied. Well, I was thinking like, okay, like I wouldn't try to enroll in any like discounted fares or do anything sketchy, but like, how do I get one? Like, and apparently like you need to bring like a birth certificate or passport or something that proves that you were over the age of 65 um, to some like city department. And I'm like, I don't really want one that bad. So now I just, I just use on the rare times I do use public transit. um, I have my Golden Gate Bridge 75th anniversary card, which is pretty cool. Oh, I didn't know about that one either. Oh yeah, that one, that one I think they actually still do sell, but I like that it's different. See, I guess my kind of badge of honor with my Clipper card is I still have my original one from when we first moved here. So it's oh, yeah, nice. like like going on 7 years old now, which is I feel like that's pretty good. And I I mean, over most of my time here, I've I've used public transit a ton. So, there've been Many opportunities for that car to get lost, stolen, damaged, whatever, but it's held on strong. Well, congrats. That, that's that's a big badge of honor. Like, you'd really think that that would have got lost in, like, a wallet shuffle or, or, or somehow. Yeah, I know. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> Maybe it is almost becoming a white clipper card, though, because it is, it is the, like, outer layer of it's kind of peeling away. <laughs> Ooh, that's, hey, that's a, that's a life hack, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's keep this moving sorry i'm I'm all out of sorts because i i don't have my my laptop with me anymore i finally sent it in for its repair on like the delaminating screen that i've been complaining about a couple of times uh so i've been trying to use an ipad all day which has broken my brain and now that i'm back in front of my imac i i have no idea what i'm doing um oh yeah so uh how's the past week been for you and the world and, and stuff in general it's been less orange. Well, remember we last recorded Tuesday, so I think there was a hell of a lot of other stuff that happened too. Well, true, but at least at least currently it's less orange. Yeah, you saw you saw the Pope photo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though the, even though there were of course like that was a selectively like it, there were many other photos that show the Pope not looking so dismayed, but. Um, <laughs> When you th- when you look at it completely out of context and and without any background information, it does look exactly like what you'd think of it. Uh, do you, do you remember uh, Obama's previous um, White House photographer? I do. I used to follow him on Twitter. Pete Pete Sousa. That is correct, and yeah. you should follow him on Instagram. Oh, I should. Yeah, because he's been doing a lot of. Um, I think young people call it throwing shade. Where he has been posting, like, uh, I think today he posted a picture of Obama and the Pope, where they both look overjoyed to see each other. So he does really, really timely, like, uh, juxtaposition with, like, what the news is. Like, right after, you know, the whole Melania uh, not wanting to hold hands with with, uh, our president, uh, he posted a picture of um, Barack and Michelle looking very, very happy. I did see that, yeah. So again, he's just an absolute master of um, of the timely uh, shade Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, now I'm looking at Barack Obama pictures on Google yeah, Images. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. 
because it's it always like whenever you see the Google thing and it shows you like the the four image preview, there's always one of him just looking really happy with a kid or doing something where you're like, oh yeah, that's that's what things used to be like. Just you know, looking um, looking presidential, looking human. Mm-hmm. I think is more like that's man, yeah, yeah. Because like every every president generally has had some type of charisma. Like like Bill Clinton was always super charismatic, even if you didn't agree with the policies of George W. Bush. Like he kind of maybe seemed like a fun guy. Do you know what I mean? I I, to- I totally do. Yeah. Like again, like policy wise, and like I know everybody knocks him for saying some dumb things in public, but again, seems like he'd be fun to hang out with. Um, like Reagan was actually for a conservative, like it seemed like a very cool guy, sort of. Um, but yeah, this this current president's not not cutting it. I wouldn't really just yeah, I wouldn't really wouldn't describe him as cool. It's not really the first word that comes to mind. I'm trying to. Th- what what is an adjective to describe Reagan? Excluding his policies. Cool, yeah, cool is not the right word. Anyway, Charis- charismatic, Char- charismatic confidence. Yeah, re- uh, regardless of his policies and um, personable. Yeah, there we go. Again, yeah, a, a, a strange way to, to to translate cool, but yeah. I, I meant the the cool remark was more about our current president, but oh no, did I call him cool? Why maybe not? I don't know. Oh, I I would. Like which one are you? Which one are you? Which one are you <laughs> no, again? I, can can we edit this for content? Because I don't ever want to. Have, <laughs> because I because I know we don't ever edit for content. Because I know the NSA and probably Google, since they're just scooping up everything, is probably doomed. Secret transcripts of this. Well, yeah. I mean, this this, this is going to get this is going to get leaked through some some White House source. Oh, certainly. To, I, I, to, I'm sure at, at a at um six p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. <laughs> No, it's well. No, it's going to happen right after five thirty eight records their show. Uh huh. Uh huh. But uh, no, and I think uh, James Comey is probably going to uh, write a memo right after this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very thorough. Paper trail. Uh, um. Where's he going with this? Uh, is basketball over yet? Or I mean, like, yeah. Sorry. Are the can the logical conclusion of this entire basketball season like is are are the Warriors and Cavs done playing lesser teams? Is what I'm asking. Almost. So the Warriors are, and the Cavs are one game away. So did the Cavs lose? They lost, yeah, game three. Ooh. Uh, on, um, I guess that was uh, Sunday. Interesting. Because they both had, they went like, both teams went like 11-0, which is apparently, as far as I'm told, very uncommon. Very in, uncommon. In, in the playoff situation. Yes. Yeah, I mean the playoffs have been playing out exactly like you know the the way that we talked about a few shows ago, where we're sort of just on this inevitable march towards a Warriors Cavs rematch, and after tomorrow, that's probably exactly where we'll be. And then it's weird because you know because of scheduling and TV and all, and all that they. You know, they set the date of the the first date of the finals way far ahead of time, so it's it's June first, kind of no matter what. Well, sure, because they have to assume that something would go to seven, even if it wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the Easter Conference Finals, in all likelihood, will wrap up tomorrow, and then there's going to you know be this like week long break until the until the finals start, which is not not ideal for the NBA. Well, yeah, they're always praying for a seven-game series all the time. Yeah, they are. But, you know, even if you don't get seven games, 
I don't think it's ideal for anybody for there to be such a long gap between series. And also, like again, I haven't I haven't followed the ratings for any of this, but I assume it's less than ideal when you have extremely good teams where even though the games like the series are much shorter because it's 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 either a four or five game series instead of seven, but also they're probably less interesting to watch. Like I assume everybody was watching that. Uh, is it the, who who are the Cavs playing right now? They are playing the Boston Celtics. Um, like wasn't there a game where like they literally doubled their score? Or something close, like there was a fifty-point lead. Yeah, well, yeah. So game game two of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Cavs were up by forty points for for most of the second half. So I assume that's got to be terrible in terms of just people just be completely tuning it out. They're like, oh, great. Oh, totally. Yeah. And and then you know, the the Warriors sweeping the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. That's you know that was a series that had been hyped you know for most of the season. You know, top two seeds in the West. Spurs had given them some trouble during the regular season. People were really excited about that. And then, you know, that went nowhere. Okay. So two short follow-up questions. So does that mean, like, are the NBA finals extremely, like, are they highly anticipated right now? I I think so. I mean, you know, people have been disappointed with the playoffs so far, but, you know, also like we talked about a few episodes ago, there's sort of this weird dichotomy where people are like bored with what's happening, but they're excited about the end result. And so, yeah, I think people are, are super excited about the finals. Okay. Um, was there that big of a gap, like in terms of like regular season play, like were the Cavs and Warriors just so far ahead and wildly dominant of everybody else? Or is it just that it all falls apart when they're playing so many games in the, in the postseason? No, so they they weren't in terms of record overly dominant in in the regular season. In fact, the Cavs weren't even the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, so they they don't have home court advantage in the series that they're playing currently. Um, but as this series is proving to be a perfect example of, elite teams like the Warriors and the Cavaliers don't really care about their regular season record. They don't really care what seed they end up being because push comes to shove in the playoffs they don't really care a whole lot if they're on the road or if they're at home um i mean the cavaliers won game seven of the finals on the road last year um which kind of speaks to a kind of a maybe a bigger topic and a bigger problem that the nba has is these elite teams don't really take the regular season as seriously as they should and i mean in the, the cavaliers this season are a particularly egregious example of that where they straight rested players the last week of the season when they still had a chance at the number one seed, but they just didn't really care about the number one seed. So it it really does kind of diminish a lot of the importance of, of the regular season, which again, you know, like these shortened series, I, I don't really know if fans are going to be super excited about watching regular season games that the teams participating in don't necessarily care 100% about. But are the Warriors the same way? I mean, just because I know this season was different than than last, where there was that. Didn't they end like the twenty fifteen season like eighty three and six or something? Like, didn't they have like the the winningest record? So they, yeah, so they they were seventy three and nine, which set the okay. the regular season record last year. So yeah, so that was a, a different situation for them where they were going going for this record. But you know, the kind of the flip side of it, right, is then they didn't end up winning the finals. So that sort of proving the same point but from the opposite direction where just because you you know kind of put it all out there the regular season doesn't necessarily mean that's going to translate to uh success in the playoffs 
Okay, well, yeah. now we, uh, that's one less distraction we have from what's going on in the rest of the world. So that's that's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before we get to follow out, just a quick PSA I have. I'm just getting through all my little notes here. Sure. Uh, Smitten and uh, CorgiCon are hosting a benefit at uh, their Valencia or their mission uh, location on Valencia Street. So if anybody wants some first date ice cream and uh, see a bunch of corgis, that's something you can do on June 3rd. Um, you were super bummed that that wasn't happening at the Marina one. Does that mean that would have been a definite uh, weekend activity for you if it was? Oh, very much so. But not willing to Uber out to the mission. We'll see. Haven't haven't entirely ruled it out, but um, you know, not to not to geolocate too closely here, but the the Marina location is fairly close by, so. Had they had that at the nearby um, park or the nearby beach here, that would have been pretty ideal. Well, I, yeah, but um, everybody else should mark their calendars in case you can't make this uh, for June 17th when uh, the annual summer Corgi Con will be going on at Ocean Beach, which will be amazing. I think the last time I went, there were 400 Corgis that went, so it's, it's pretty good, and it's, it's going to be great this year. And you, do you go every year? I try, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? No, I I think that's great. There's, there's an alarming or startlingly large number of uh, corgis with GoPros on them. <laughs> like, I mean, like a non, it, it's not an insignificant amount. Like, I think probably at least 20. Hmm. But there's some cute ones, man. No, I, I, I don't deny the cute ones, but... I, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent on board with the idea of a GoPro. Although I, I guess I, I presume. Oh well, I think I think fairly... most invest. I, th- I think most investors and consumers would agree. <laughs> I guess, Turns out I they were a lifestyle brand. No. Um. But yeah, I, I, I guess they're they're probably comfortable enough for for the dogs and whatever. But oh yeah, I mean I think that's a little silly. But um, in terms of the comfort thing, I think no, it's fine because even GoPro themselves uh, make a dog mount harness. Like specifically, of course, of course they do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else I got? Okay, so we got we got some follow out here. Um, and follow out just means we end up talking about what what we heard on upgrade. So <laughs> so uh, so there's one uh, there's one for me and one for you. So I'll let you jump in first. So I think you had mentioned um, you wanted to talk a little bit about the Apple Park feature in Wired and also some of the stuff that they talked on that show. So. Yeah, so we we were going to talk about this on last week's episode about the article itself, but then didn't get around to it, and I'm I'm kind of kind of glad we didn't because, as always, upgrade talked about it in a much better way than I think you and I, you and I could have. Not to not to put us down. No, that's I mean, our tagline. <laughs> Up, upgrade does it better. Go listen to that. Right. Uh, no, Jason, Jason and Mike are pros. We're we're amateurs. Um, no, but the the thing that they you know. One of the things that Jason in particular sort of highlighted in, in the discussion was this idea that, you know, this has been such an important project to Apple that it's it's actually, just to be blunt about it, sort of detracted key talent in the company away from consumer-facing products to focus on the campus. I mean, you know, we've all known that, you know, Johnny Ive's been heavily involved and by the sounds of it, it actually lots of other important product folks have been involved. I mean, Apple really does view... Apparently, Apple Park is being kind of an Apple product itself, which, you know, I I kind of have mixed feelings about. And I, I think it's going to be one of those things that we just have to wait. 
probably some large number of years to really see how it's going to shake out where there's sort of one of two ways this could go or obviously could be somewhere in the middle, but at the two extremes, you know, one extreme being Apple's detracted talent for the last number of years, they build this fancy new campus and then that fancy new campus kind of makes people feel good about themselves for a while, but then doesn't necessarily translate into any sort of in like increased productivity or creativity within the company. And so, you know, taking people off of consumer facing products to focus on your own campus ends up being sort of a net negative. Or it could end up being the case that, yeah, you know, at the, at the other extreme here that they, you know, distracted some key talent for a while to focus on this campus, but that ends up being a worthwhile investment because the new place fosters all this additional cooperation and creativity and in the long run makes Apple a better company. But I don't know, that seems like um seems like kind of a kind of a big bet. Yeah, I think part of that's probably nonsense. Like I don't I don't think they took a bunch of people off off making uh, off putting current intel processors in in their laptops to do this and like i i don't think i can we would necessarily like it's fair to blame the new campus for the reason the iphone 6 design went into a third year so i mean sure that might have divided the attention from some of these people but like hasn't like the current narrative been that johnny's had kind of one foot out the door in terms of heading up product design for a while like we haven't seen one of his white room product videos in in a few years so I, i'm i'm not sure that's necessarily a fair fair story to to kind of couch this announcement in. like the the campus is probably over engineered and over designed and, and whatever but that's that's apple's thing um i'm not i, I just really don't buy that like I, I think the complete lack of attention that they've given to certain product lines or maybe let, letting things just weather on the vine is like I, I don't think we would have new airport extremes if they were in, in still in one infinite loop. So I don't know. That's that's probably fair. That's probably fair. Well, I mean, we'll never we'll never really know for sure. Yeah. Like, and what was your what were your thoughts on like? Because Jason seemed to be pretty down on the idea that like there was a gym in in the campus, or he was just, like kind of you know the whole insular like Silicon Valley like we we want working life to be as easy as possible so that you give all all of your waking hours to the company like what what do you think about that yeah well i mean it's something that um you know i'll, I'll keep things fairly general here but it, it's something i have personal experience with where when i was in a, a client facing role a number of years ago one of my clients had this this setup where you know there was a gym there were three hot meals a day a, all kinds of other you know services on the campus to the point where you you really could wake up, go straight, you know, straight to campus, do everything you would need to do throughout the day, come home and and, and go to bed. And at first, you know, that seemed like really this really awesome thing, like oh, we were getting all this stuff, you know, for free, and this is great. But you know, after six months or so, I, I became really soured on that idea, and and you really do start to see. You know, I don't think it's it's not a nefarious motive by any of these companies, I don't think, but it's not as generous as it seems on the surface either. Um, and, 
you know, it, it, this is just strictly my you know personal take because, as Jason pointed out, it, it's a, it's certainly a gray area, and, there, and there's there's a lot of nuance here, and it, I don't think there's even you know one universal answer for every company. But you know, it's just at least for me, I kind of came to the realization that you know that's that's not a lifestyle that that I would want. Yeah, I just I just didn't necessarily get the criticism of Apple specifically because that just seems like that's just the price of admission for trying to be a a uh, competitive employer or like desirable place to work when that's just kind of the MO of everybody in in this area. I, I guess I I didn't really I didn't really take it as being a shot at Apple. I, I thought that that part of the conversation did sort of become more generic and just, you know, is this is this really a, a good work style for any company? But 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 anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that. And um has Apple Campus already had uh, Apple Park had people start moving into it yet, or is that still a couple months out? I don't think so. Or if people are moving in, it's happening sort of very slowly. Got it. Okay. And then the other piece of uh, contentious uh, discussion on this week's upgrade was, um, so you listened to the whole episode, right? I did. Yeah. So, uh, so Jason, so they were talking about kind of the the Mark Gurman article in Bloomberg about. Uh, the likelihood of refreshed MacBooks and MacBook Pros at WWDC. And I don't know, like there were, there were a couple things that stood out to me that um, it was floated that, um, that Apple's like their lack of focus on the Mac specifically was that they, that they, I think the quote was Apple was being caught, was uh, caught being asleep when like that seems to, just seemed like a really disingenuous like it just seems it just seems wrong to me where i think that apple very well could have like it's a type of product where it's already pretty much fully baked and keeping it current and putting in like just the minor effort to make it compatible with newer intel processors or maybe giving it a a couple of speed bumps along the way or putting more ram and that kind of stuff like i think that's something that that could just be a product that's on maintenance mode and, and they could give it a little bit of attention. So I don't think that like their um, failure to update the Mac for so long um, was being like, just not paying attention to it. I think it was intentional neglect and I don't know, like, I, am, am I wrong here? No, I, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if wrong is, is the right word. I just, I, my view of it more is, Apple probably was a little bit asleep behind the wheel, but that's that's just sort of what happens when you're on top. And and Apple really, you know, not in terms of unit sales, obviously, but in terms of, you know, growth in sales and certainly in terms of profit and sort of just, you know, as, as you would say, mindshare. Apple's been, you know, at the top of the laptop game for a while now, and I think they they got a little comfortable with that. I'm not sure that's true. Um, hmm. Like, who's who's their competition though? Because they're the only game in town. If you're somebody who wants a computer with OS 10, well, but that's that's exactly my point. Is because well, so but then like they could be. You could say that they're at the top of their game if the only computer they made was the a non Retina MacBook Air. If that's the only choice people have, again, like Apple to me has always stood for we try to eat, like, irrespective of price, we try to make the best products we can. 
And I don't know, like I just because like that's the only thing people can buy and it's a passable product, I, I don't necessarily think that counts as being on top of your game. Well, compared to the rest of the PC industry, they have been. Like, I, like Microsoft has been charging hard like and, and innovating a lot. Like whether or not you like the computers or if you think a lot of the Surface stuff is gimmicky, like Microsoft, initially Dell too, has been like they've been putting out good computers. Like the Surface Studio and the Surface Pro 4 that was just announced and the Surface Laptop. Like I think those are all, if Windows was my thing, those all look like pretty cool things that I would strongly consider buying. But we, but would you buy them? Well, but that's just because I don't like Windows. Uh, but, but you can't you can't just dismiss that as a minor point. Well, no, but I'm I'm talking specifically about the hardware. Like these are computers that Apple could have and should have made. But did they need to make them? Apple doesn't need to do anything, but I think eventually you get to the point, like, remember all that news and discussion up to a couple months ago when we had the whole, like, Mac Pro, like, Apple's, like, uh, fake apology, or, like, non-apology, like, sorry, not sorry thing, um, where, like, you heard a lot of people, like, in the professional market who used, who just rely on uh, Lightroom and doing video editing saying, like, nope, just the professional Macs aren't doing it anymore, and Windows machines are going to be a better option for us. So, I mean, like, there comes a point where you're just, you're not, you're shirking your responsibilities a little bit. I don't know. Maybe, but, you know, Mac, Mac sales are higher than they've ever been. So, you know, I, I don't know. But they're still small relative to the entire industry. Sure. But that's, that's been Apple's MO forever. Okay. And that goes to my last bit of follow out, which is. Jason's uh, kept going back to the point, and he did this on either a couple of uh, podcasts or on a couple of articles online, where he kept saying that the Surface laptop was. He kept bringing up the point that the nine uh, nine ninety nine model was like horribly underspec'd and only had like two or four gigabytes of RAM compared to what Apple makes. And I don't know, maybe maybe I have forgotten all of history of all of time, but if I'm not mistaken, Apple has been the company that for the past two decades has always offered really, really crappy, horribly underspecced computers at like the low end of their product offering. Like, am I misremembering things? I, I think maybe what you're thinking a lot about is, at least the example that comes to mind for me, is the original MacBook Air. No, no, not, no not even that, though. But, like, do you remember, like, remember when there was the, like, back when we, we were in college, where there was the white and the black MacBook? Yeah. And the white one, like it, it shipped with just some unconscionably low amount of RAM, which for OS ten was just not enough. But that's because they wanted to have a computer that started at like twelve ninety nine for for college students. But I th I thought that the thing that I've heard from Mac defenders, including you, forever is, yeah, you know, Mac laptops are are more expensive than a lot of PC laptops out there. But it's because of you know, if, if you were to get a similarly specced Windows computer, it would actually cost more. Hasn't that always been the defense of Apple? No, or or maybe, but not not for me. Hmm. I don't, I always expect it to cost way too much. But like normally, you hope that you can buy one that's high end enough to to do what you want it to do for however long you have it. Hmm. Like I don't know, but like you know, you are right. Like back, well, kind of like yeah, when the original MacBook Air came out, and everybody was like, "This, this computer is insane!" Like you, you can pay twenty eight hundred dollars, and it has a sixty four gig SSD, one USB port, and a 
I forgot what other limitations they had, but like that was actually a computer kind of like the G4 cube and a couple of other ones where it was just like it, 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 what you could tell obviously that it was like a new computer that, and that's where things were going and the compromises it made made sense. Whereas like all these new computers that are, that they're making that just aren't uh, at least don't interest me and most other like professional ish users is just that there's a bunch of compromises that aren't actually leading anywhere. So I, I so I fully admit that this is probably an oversimplification, but I think another factor here is specs just don't really matter as much as they used to. Like even you know even when you know you and I were in high school and in college, I mean literally you know like processor bumps and and increased RAM. Those types of things actually made like a significant difference, even with basic tasks like browsing the web and word processing and, you know, PowerPoint editing, things like that, like day to day tasks. We've we've largely moved past that now where even just basic, basic laptops are sufficiently powerful enough for for, I would say, a, a majority of people. So I'd say yes and no, and if and if we take the yes answer here again, that that goes to the point where this, that criticism that the surface uh, surface laptop only has four gigs of RAM to start is not a super valid one. Um, kind of like holds water, but also yeah, no, you are kind of correct. But what I'm saying is, particularly with like the pro slanted machines, that like the fact that you can't get a 13 inch MacBook Pro with more than 16 gigs of RAM, like just stuff like that, like I don't know, just it just seems weird that they that Apple, a company that always seemed to be willing to take anybody's uh, extra money and, and way overcharge for RAM, like just kind of it's just like artificially just saying, no, we're not going to do that. And then before we get into other stuff, uh, last bit of follow up, uh, Trodfree uh, from IKEA, their entry level smart light system, uh, by the end of the year is going to have support for uh, Alexa, Google Home, and uh, HomeKit apparently. Yeah, I I thought I put that in the thing because I thought that was that's pretty pretty neat. Yes, my only question here though is, doesn't because they said that it's coming by like the end of the year, which implies like or it sounds like that means that's a um like a software tweak that they're going to make. But I thought HomeKit like it had that extra security stuff where like wouldn't it have to have that weird code and be Apple certified and all that kind of stuff. Hmm, that's a fair that's a fair. question question just like because like i still i'm still using my super old um generation one phillips hue bridge which will not work with siri because um it doesn't have that apple HomeKit barcode on it well it's, po it's possible that the um trod free kit already has like the i think it's just like it's just like a code right that that home kit needs some type of like eight digit code or something. Yeah, but I think that code is based off of it having some specific hardware thing. That oh, that's what that's what I mean though. Maybe maybe the hardware is already there for HomeKit, but they're just not enabling it through software until later this year. Uh it's like okay. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Hardware Easter egg. <laughs> or they'll do what Phillips did and just come out with version two and say, yeah, version one, you guys are screwed. Yeah. It still works. I mean, yeah. That's I I've I've li literally, I'm not exaggerating. I don't, I don't think I've ever used Siri to control my, my Hue lights. 
because it's so bad or i mean just because you have to uh, talk about the lights so insanely specifically by name for it to actually do anything i i mean i i really honestly wouldn't wouldn't even know because I, I just use i just use the echo yeah and that that works great good job amazon mm-hmm. uh so google io was last week and there's a lot of interesting stuff there a lot of stuff that actually apl- applies to ios users too so have you so we'll do like a just a big overview of what happened um so there were a lot of like uh, announcements and uh, like there's a status a status report about kind of how all all of Google's projects are doing. So Android is now active and installed on two billion with a B devices. Uh, Google Drive has eight hundred million users. Uh, Google Photos has a uh, has half a billion users, um, and they took a bunch of the things they're already doing and just kind of tweaked them and expanded them and. Um, it's something that apparently a lot of people are calling like a boring keynote, but it, it's it's one of the things about Google that seems so interesting all the time is that they don't necessarily have to have a lot of splash like Apple does, where they just keep iterating until you just get surprised that something is so good that you can't ignore it. So one of those things specifically for me is Google Photos, which the big improvements they've done this time, other than just announcing that they have so many users, is... Um, it's now going to have uh, shared libraries so that if you want to share with like family members your entire library or only certain albums, uh, you can totally do that. And it will also, based off uh, facial recognition and machine learning and all that other kind of buzzwordy stuff, it will um, automatically suggest that you share uh, photos that you take with certain people, which seems just super, super, super interesting. I mean the I, I'm I'm on the same page. I, I think the photo stuff of of all of these announcements is is the most interesting interesting stuff. I, I I think it's kind of you know Gruber likes to use that phrase when he talks about Apple. I mean he's kind of used it when referring to AirPods recently, which is like it's like Apple at its best. Like this is Google at its best, where mm-hmm. Google Photos is basically a hundred percent cross platform. Maybe it's maybe a little better on android but like by and large really good ios app i mean i think this a lot of these new features like these sharing features even just like work through like sms where it'll it'll just send people links and they can log onto a website to view the photos i mean it's totally platform agnostic which is exactly what you know google accelerates at it's using you know machine learning it's it's using all the data that it has access to which is kind of something that only google can do it's just it's a it's a google product through (laughs) and through and through I mean, seriously, like, these are phrases that like no, no. people like. This is like an Apple phrase, but like, well, that, it, that's what I'm saying. Do you yeah. remember the Tim Cook only Apple? Yeah, no, that's yeah, yeah exactly. Only Google. I'm I'm, sub- yeah. I'm subconsciously getting at that. Yeah, it yeah, it's super super interesting stuff. So oh, crap, what was I talking about? No, like so yeah, Google Photos. Like it's just in the thing is it's it's succeeding against all odds in the sense that um, I'm not sure when the last time you used an Android phone was. But Google Photos is not the default Photos app on most Android phones, like other than the Pixel and maybe the Nexus 6, um, like the smartphone, like whoever the manufacturer of whatever you buy is, they'll put on whatever like just mediocre like app called Gallery. And then Google Photos is a a separate download, or at least if it's pre-installed, it's an opt-in thing. So they don't have that advantage. Um, and then on iOS, it's it's hamstrung by the fact that um, iOS has very specific backgrounding limitations. Um, yet 
people still love it because it allows them to store way more on their phone than they otherwise would. It uh, circumvents and combats kind of Apple's stinginess around iCloud storage space, which um, uh, discourages a lot of people from fully using iCloud photo library. Like it's, it's, it's succeeding by being the better product, which is the best way to succeed. Which um, kind of forced to segue, but that that's sort of what makes me a little um, apprehensive about um, Google Assistant coming to iOS, where like I don't the idea that an assistant that has to live within a self-contained app on a different platform is going to be able to compete even with sort of a suboptimal assistant but that but that's built into the OS. Like I, I don't I don't know about that. I know I know people are going to be willing to like open a separate app to um to get at Google's assistant even if they think it's better than Siri, which is just sort of like a voice command or a, you know, long home button press away. Yes, but well, I don't know, hold on. So they're trying to combat that. Let me send you a thing. Um so I've been using Google Assistant and it actually works really, really well once I figured out how to get my security settings to work properly. Because like since I use Google Apps with my own domain, apparently I had some stuff turned off and it was really cryptic and not easy to figure out what was disabled what that was preventing it from working. But when it did work, like it it's it's so insanely fast, faster than um Siri is. It's more accurate. It does basically everything that Google Assistant on Android does, as well as Google Home. Um, it supports um, all the smart home integration, so I am actually able to control all my um, Philips Hue equipment uh, with it when I can't even do that with Siri. Um, I can even do that out of home, which is cool. And it's just – and the thing is you you can type to it. You don't even have to talk to it. Like it just – I don't know. It's, it's just really, really cool. Um, and just, it's so smart in, in so many ways. Um yeah, so so the the picture that you sent me is the um, widget that the app has, which I didn't know about. But in so that's the retrospect seems yeah seems totally obvious. I mean, like it's still it's still not hold the home button down, but it's it's as close as they can possibly get. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's just so fast that just uh, that throws me for a loop, and um, I don't know. And just since Google knows your entire life, and we're willingly giving all that to them. Since they're not like, and, and this is the other thing with Apple that we'll kind of get into when we talk about maybe like the WWDC preview is like, I know Apple is super privacy focused and is very um, focused on making sure that your data stays on the phone and that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, when you do give in to um, your benevolent dictator or whatever people like, whatever the negative view people would give uh, Google is like, it's, I don't know, like it's super useful when when you when you when you do give into that that lifestyle. Um and Google is just so insanely good at aggregating all that data and just mashing it into a format that's uh beneficial and convenient for the end user. Nobody but Google. Yeah. Um and just being able to type to it, man, that that's that's fucking brilliant. Like so many times, like Siri maybe would be faster or would give a better answer, but I just don't feel like talking to my phone. And that is that is one really cool thing about this. Oh, and the other thing is it has, I forget what they call it, but there's um, a way that you can do like little uh, shortcuts, either by voice or by typing, where you can condense 
much longer and complicated queries into uh, like two word actions. So that's really neat. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So that's it with that. Um. There's a product called Google Lens that's going to come out that's uh, was announced but not yet released, which is going to allow you to um, use your camera to kind of determine information about things. So like if you point it at like a restaurant front, it will give you like reviews and times and stuff like that automatically without typing anything in. And if you like take a picture of like a Wi-Fi SSID and password, like it'll prompt you, do you want to log into that network? Like there's a ton of cool stuff that's going to do, but that'll be out later this year. And then they're updating their emoji. And I think that was mostly it. No more, no, no more Google blobs. Those things were, oh man, those things were really, really ugly. They, but they, um, they really are. Yeah. Like that is one thing that, yeah, just emoji across platforms on the internet is always different. But yeah, Google's was always the most different. Oh yeah. Yeah. By far. You've been, you've been to Emojipedia, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. It's, it's good to, it's, where's, where's the, it's, I think it's the wolf emoji. That's the most different across. Oh, it's called <laughs> wolf face. Because that's the one where it could either look like a small brown dog um or it can look like a dingo or it can look like a wolf but um yeah there's a lot of different stuff here you know apparently you i i just heard this on a podcast the other day you can now register domains with emoji it is valid unicode so probably yeah they ha- they have to end in .ws apparently but but you can use unicode in a in a domain hmm yeah kind of weird huh I think, I mean, that would probably only work for, like, internet things, because I think most people don't, like, a lot of people wouldn't know how to type an emoji on a computer. Well, I mean, yeah, like, even Apple makes it damn near impossible to, in most cases. Well, it's not cases. hard. Just do uh, control command space. Well, I know, I know, but you and I are not the average user, as we've discussed at length on this show. All right. Do you want to have a brief um follow-up to our preview of wwdc yeah um which i feel like we've we've previewed wwdc like six times so far but but the news one specific product yeah but then the news does keep changing um so this week there were some um i guess in this case it was uh, made it made a pun there there were some cases that that leaked out around the rumored 10.5 inch ipad and the big takeaway from this is that, you know, the rumor up to this point has been that this 10.5-inch iPad would probably be the same physical size as the 9.7-inch iPad, but because of reduced bezel sizes, the screen itself would be bigger. And that, that made all, all the sense in the world to me. But the rumors this week have been that, no, this 10.5-inch iPad is actually going to be slightly larger than the 9.7 inch ipad pro and have reduced bezels but but still have kind of the the bezels that we know on on all of our ios devices today which i wasn't really confused by because then like you're basically expecting consumers to differentiate between tablets with 0.8 inch different screen sizes but when i when you and i were talking about this off the air i thought you had sort of a kind of a smart um not rebuttal, but kind of a different different view on that. Well, yeah. So the iPad Pro right now, it comes in two sizes. So there's the 12.9 and there's the 9.7. And the iPad Pro is basically just kind of a, a 
slightly modified iPad Air 2. And two months ago, Apple refreshed the line where they actually they discontinued the iPad Air 2, and they kind of retroactively upgraded the iPad Air 1 and just call it the iPad now. So like, if you just look at them at the face of it, like they look almost identical. So if like there's some lack of features, like the the 2017 iPad doesn't have pencil support, it's slower, it's only got two speakers, it's thicker. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that makes it a heck of a lot more like an iPad Air One than anything else. But for like somebody in a store or online trying to compare them, like it, you need something to differentiate it. So therefore, narrowing the bezel a tiny bit but making the screen about an inch bigger adds that level of differentiation so Apple isn't cross-selling against two products that seem like a difference without differentiation. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, like, cause if you compare the two, how much is the 2017 iPad uh, just entry level without Wi-Fi or without cellular? Like I think 329, yeah. And then the Pro still starts out at 600, right? It doesn't start at is it four ninety nine? I don't. Th- I think that I think that's what the Air two was. Unless the iPad Pro took a price drop when the twenty seventeen came out. Let me see. Uh, by now, I still am not getting used to. Oh, I know. The not not having the, store. the. Yeah, I know. I know. Me too. Um. So so now starts at five ninety nine. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Like that. That's that's it's very difficult without a physical difference to really effectively communicate why something costs $280 more uh, without something visual to show for it. Man, the, the, God, the 12, I, the 12 point, I forgot that this 12.9 inch version starts at seven ninety nine, and that's for 32 gigabytes. <laughs> Again, I, we've, we've talked at length about my opinions as to why I hate that product so much. Um, irrationally so, but yeah, and and that thing still has not been updated a single time since it came out. So actually, okay, that that was that was something that we haven't talked about um, off air yet that I wanted to say for the show. Which I I think your theory is really really smart, and I, I think you're you're probably exactly right. But the one part of that that I sort of can't get around is that's going to essentially mean that the smaller size iPad Pro will have been introduced. And then refreshed, and not only refreshed, but refreshed with like a completely different screen size before the larger iPad Pro gets its first update. And that's that seems weird. So we don't know that the 12.9 is not getting refreshed. Oh, I, I think we very much do. No, I think you're right. But I think I, that's that deserved. Have, that, would have, that would have leaked by now. Maybe it's a product. Maybe maybe it's um, like the Mac Pro, and it's a product that people just care so little about. Well, maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe like that could be because tablets just shouldn't be that big. Like it just seems like such a specialized product for such a limited number of people. Like if if you're somebody who's an artist, or or you really are you like because no, like actually, I'm thinking about it. When they had introduced it, they kept at, like pretending like there were all these business applications that would be well suited for it. I strongly disagree with that. Just because I, w- I was using my iPad Pro to do two things at once earlier today, and I was in like, there's no way that it being two and a half or three inches bigger would have made it any more tolerable. So no, I think this is the only justification for this product existing is for um, creative people who really, really need the Apple Pencil 
And I really think that person could probably be well served by a 10.5 inch model. Cause yeah, this thing still doesn't have the true tone display. It, um, it still has kind of a, a crappy camera on it. Not that I, I mean, a 13 inch iPad is probably the least appropriate thing to take pictures with, but yeah, it's, it's weird, man. Cause it's, it's two years old. It has to be right. Yeah. I think, I think that's about right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, September uh, no, September ninth, twenty fifteen. So almost there. Yeah, yeah, it's strange. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's what I'm thinking about it. But related, um, Federico Vitici and some of his uh, associates at Mac Stories, they are very very much in the pro iPad as legitimate computer um, thing camp. Uh, but they made a really <laughs> they made a really cool. Um, concept video of what they think ios 11 if it uh made an effort to have the ipad be a viable computing platform uh and it was actually pretty cool like they they in they illustrated a couple of ways where drag and drop would work uh ways to redesign like the app picker in the like multi-window or, or like in the split screen view like a lot of stuff that does seem like it would make ios more uh productivity focused but i don't think it's gonna happen man i yeah uh, i i don't know i i really don't know like we haven't done like an, an ios 11 predictions thing but like what what do you like just really briefly what do you think it introduces like do you think it offers much for the ipad i mean that's been the rumor forever but but i i don't I don't know, like we've, we've, I think I'm sure we, we've gone down this exact same line of thinking before on the show, which is, I feel like, and it's kind of appropriate we're talking about Federico Vitici here, because I, I think he's been sort of the source of a lot of this, where... He was the one who said like, oh, oh uh, iOS 9.3 or like iOS 10.3 was going to be, that's, they're, they're saving all the iPad stuff for later. Yeah, but I think that that was mostly wish casting that then just sort of evolved over time into a rumor. Like, I don't, I don't really think, like, we've never really heard, like, there's never been, like, a German scoop or something where it's like, oh, you know, we've, we've talked to people who are actually working on this, and, and here's what's coming. It's been more just, this is what people want. But at the same time, it's also just super logical. I mean, of, of course, Apple has to do this at some point if they're going to continue to cons consider the iPad a serious platform. And you know, I to me actually, they? well, I, I don't know. That's a whole, I guess that's a whole separate discussion. But assuming that they do, you know, I mean, one of the things that's so striking about this video, which which we'll link to in the notes, is it's basic stuff we're talking about here. I mean, the ability to move an image from one app to another when you're in a split screen mode. I mean, the fact that that's like a feature that. Federico and his team are lusting after is kind of a bummer. Like that should have been in iOS three versions ago. I mean, it's a Apple's just so far behind with differentiating the iPad and iOS that you know. I mean, just throwing the rumors aside or the wish casting aside, like it just they just they logically they just have to right. Like this has to be a focus. So I would say no. I don't think they have to. Much in the same way that you would argue um, that they're at the top of the game with laptops. <laughs> and I would say, no, they're not. They're just letting it sit. I think they could entirely not care and let it sit. Because like, here's the thing, like Android tablets are not very good. Um, they're still, even to this day, very, very much just like blown up phones. 
Um, and like, I think Apple, this is something that I have, I've been struggling to get my head around. Whereas I think the competitor to the iPad is the surface pro for better or for worse. Like I know it's not a fair comparison, but Apple's already said they're not making touchscreen Macs, which I get it. Like, especially after trying to use this iPad pro as a real computer, the idea of touching your screen all the time would just drive me nuts. But I think a lot of that's just not having a trackpad on it, but like, like the surface and the Metro interface or whatever the hell that thing's called now seems like a much more, it seems more iPad than the iPad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sort of like every time somebody says like they want like all the stuff on the iPad, it just really sounds like you want a surface. Like you should go to a Microsoft store and try one because they want it to be all these things that there's no way that it's going to be. Because it would just take so much development and likely added complexity to kind of bridge the the gulf that exists there that I just don't think Apple's willing to do it. And I think after how many quarters, like if we exclude like any like holiday uh, quarter bumps that are irregular, like isn't it basically like 12 straight quarters of sales declines now? Yeah, I, I think that's think that's right. Like, I, I know you always like you. Anytime I make the point that Apple should spend more time on the Macs, like you're quick to point out that at like sixty five percent of the revenue comes from the iPhone. Like, I think Apple probably doesn't give a shit about the iPad. Like, I think they kind of want to pretend they do, but I just I don't buy it. I think it's a product that, like that is much more than the Mac. To be honest, I think that should be placed on maintenance mode much more than anybody thinks the Mac should. Because like all they have to do is like just keep it kind of competitive and uh, with parity with the iPhones and just keep doing this whole like just update iOS thing. Because for a lot of people who want to draw on the iPad or use it as an e-reader or use it as a media consumption device or just use it as like a, a writing tool, it works for all those uses pretty passably. But all the stuff that's required to make it like a competitive productivity device. That's a lot of work. Well, I think similar to earlier this year with the Mac Pro, where we were clearly at a um, kind of a, a fork in the road, where you know the Mac Pro was basically either going to get killed off, or whether it, or it was going to be continued to be improved upon in a in a significant way by Apple. That that's where we are with the iPad and WWDC. And I think this is going to be be our moment where we get to tell what Apple's future is. And I think if, you know, if Apple comes out with this brand new 10.5 inch iPad and then a, a ton of new iPad focused features in iOS 11, then, you know, I think that's a sign that Apple is legitimately, you know, still, still in the iPad game, just like they're still in the Mac pro game. But if WWC comes and goes with no new iPad hardware and limited iPad specific functionality in iOS 11, then I think, I think that's a, clear sign that maybe apple isn't as um bullish to use tim cook's phrase on the ipad um as they say they publicly are okay so so what's your prediction i i think i think they're gonna go full ipad in wwdc i think we will see this 10.5 inch new hardware and i think we'll see something similar ish to this uh, mac stories concept video I think we see new iPads. I think we see half-hearted attempts to make it 
better, but I don't think it's, I think it won't be enough. Like, and I think visibly it won't be enough. Like you'll be able to tell like, sure, there were some improvements, but this still doesn't address some of the fundamental issues with the iPad as, as, as a productivity device. Well, we will find out in uh, about June a week, and, week and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. June 5th and 6th. We'll, All right. We'll, we'll be there. In... <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> so, sort of. We will, we will be in the San Jose area. Uh-huh. Yeah. At, a, at an undisclosed location. Yeah. I should think it's called a carpet factory. <laughs> uh, really? What? It is called. That's where the relay thing is happening. Oh, really? Or it's called like the carpet museum or something. Hold on. I... Anyway, you go to the next. Uh, no, um, it's at the San Jose Museum of Quilts and Textiles. I was close, huh? It's interesting. I had not. I had not looked at that. So yeah, Carpet Factory, not and um, not talk, right. But talk show tickets still not on sale. Uh, my Slack bot says no. So I really hope not. Otherwise, it's broken. <laughs> um. So Ashley, somebody, somebody should probably check that. Uh, talk that, or I guess we go to. I, I just, I actually just found this relatively recently that on Daring Fireball, there's like a talk show page. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, no, tickets are not yet available, but will be soon. Which I think that's been, that that will be soon. Reference has been on there for for quite a while. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Um. Okay. Well, here's one for you. Um. I think we talked about this last week, right? That you said uh, you and the lady friend were starting Arrested Development? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How far are you guys? We are about halfway through season two. Wow. Yeah, they, they're really, you know, it, it, I, most of the TV I've watched over the last handful of years have been like the serialized, you know, 45 to 60 minute type shows. I don't really watch a lot of short form comedies anymore. You kind of forget it, like how much shorter these little like twenty twenty three minute episodes are. We've just been blowing through these things, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we 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 started watching it actually. I mentioned this, I think, on the show because of the that tweet that Jason Bateman put out saying, you know, hey, he had signed on, and you know, this is um, this is happening. But you know, still, some people were a little skeptical, especially with what we went through in season four, where it was very on again, off again. Um, but uh, a couple of days after we recorded last week, it, it became official. Netflix put out the press release saying that they've got the entire original cast signed on for a fifth season, which will air in 2018. And they did make a make it a point in the press release to say that you know, not only have they signed the entire original cast, but they've done so in a way where the cast will be on set together more than um, than the, the the previous season, and, and they were they were pretty candid about the fact that, and they they pointed this out too, that said like, hey, and I had kind of forgotten about this, that um, Arrested Development was Netflix's first foray into original comedy content. So you know, it's and, and which actually just kind of a, a side note, but, but it gets at a theme that you like on this show. Which is, I could not believe I had to. I had to like quadruple check this that 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 season four had come out four freaking years ago. I can't, I can't believe it's been that long. But but anyway, um, Netflix has evolved o- over that time. I think. Yeah, start of Obama's second term. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, right. I mean, it's it's been that long. So 
No, I think 2017 has been longer. <laughs> yeah. I'm so I'm I'm optimistic. And actually, you know, one of the things I am really curious about as as we go through and rewatch uh, all the current episodes is I've only been through season 4 once. And I mean, my expectations were so high going into that that I'm I'm going to be a little curious now like going back and rewatching it if as I've heard from a couple people when you go back and rewatch it that it's it's certainly not as good as the first three seasons, but it's it's better than you, than some people have given it credit for. So we'll we'll see. Huh. Okay. Um. Yeah. It, hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, I hope I hope you like it. Yeah, I, I'm not adventurous enough to give it a second shot because I just remember it being so so bad. Yeah. Especially the uh, George Senior storyline. I forgot what his actual name was. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor. No, no, I uh, sorry, I knew a Jeffrey Tambor's name, but I couldn't remember his. I kept wanting to call him Pop Pop, but that's weird. <laughs> um, season one was really good. It, there's so there's a stretch. I was actually just talking about this with with some friends as as we've been going through it again. There's the, there's a stretch from like the last three or four episodes of season one through the first handful of season uh, episodes of season two. That's just man, I I feel like ninety percent of the jokes that you remember from the show like came from that like five to ten episode run yeah i think the best one overall i forget the episode number but um i think it's called marta complex it's the one where uh -huh. the whole hermano yeah. uh, storyline and i've made a huge mistake comes from and also the one about the um uh maritime lawyer yeah mm -hmm. oh and actually no uh take your daughter to work day actually those are probably the top three yeah those are those are really good yeah um and I forgot, where do you stand on the whole Charlize Theron arc? The worst or tolerable? Uh, I mean, season see, season three is, I don't know. It 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 just is what it is. It's it's a season of TV <laughs> that got cut off halfway through. I mean, what do you what do you want them to do? I don't I don't know. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a crappy situation to be in, right? I mean, I'm sure they had a different vision for that season. And when you, when you're told like you get half as many episodes as you thought you were originally going to, Wayne, what are you going to do with that? Shouldn't that mean they're twice as good? <laughs> not, I'm, not, kidding. Not, I'm kidding. Not sure it works quite like that. Uh, oh, first hundred days are pretty good. Okay. Uh. So <laughs> I like putting these in so that it's impossible for you to take them out. Yeah. Um, so, Sticking with pop culture, uh, you had a real. I pasted in a link for so yeah, last week was upfronts for the major broadcast TV networks, and ABC and Disney had a couple of uh, pilots. They are like trailers to new fall programs that they have on Slate, and one of them is called Alex Inc. And I I watched it and absolutely hated it. And you said it looked pretty good, so I'm very curious as to why. Well, so it's strangely, this video has been removed for violating YouTube's terms of service. Wasn't it up? Wait, wasn't it uploaded by ABC? I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's it's on the ABC Television Network. Weird. I was. I was. I was. <laughs> did they did they send a cease and desist against themselves? <laughs> so I was gonna I was gonna link to it here in the notes, and it, yeah, it's not up there anymore. Huh. Well, so like, so this was a program. Like, do you know what? Did you ever listen to the uh, the podcast called Startup? I know. I it, it's it's ugh, it's it's in the it's in in the backlog. 
Well, you, the the most recent ones, I mean, I still listen to it, but they, I take it or leave it. But the first season when... Oh, wait, uh, is this show's based on that podcast? Yeah, that's what, so exactly. So the first season of Startup, that's why maybe I have a much more negative opinion of it. Um, Yeah, the first season of Startup was really, 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 really good. Uh, where Alex Bloomberg, who left um, NPR and Planet Money and used to work on This American Life and stuff, wanted to start his own creative network of podcasts and that kind of stuff. And it was it was really good of him trying to figure out the business and get funding and all that kind of stuff. And then I don't know what steps happened in between, but apparently, yeah, he and his co-founder, Matt Lieber, and a couple other people somehow like sold the rights or collaborated with ABC and Zach Braff, apparently, uh, to make this TV show, which looks terrible like like i like that's I, again i was so shocked when you had seemed to have like a positive opinion of it because it's maybe it's just because i know because i listen to the show that much i know who the character is supposed to be and it's wait, not so some... is, wait so is, is zach zach braff is supposed to be alex bloomberg yes oh that's why it's so jarring and weird see when i watch the trailer i'm like Wow, a major TV network is putting on a show about a, about podcasting. That's pretty cool. So that, that's where my enthusiasm came from. I didn't. I had no idea about all this. Yeah, like I, his name. Like it's not. I don't think he's gonna. Like his name in the show is Alex, like, as obvious from the title. Oh, but I don't wow, think it's. Huh. Yeah, I don't think it's actually gonna be like Alex Bloomberg. But like, yeah, it's it is not like, and it's not even that I don't like. I I don't care for Zach Braff, but it's, that's not even the reason. It just looks like it's not funny i don't i didn't get the impression that it's supposed to be like a straight comedy i don't know like it had a bunch of like zany bits like it's supposed to be like oh look he's in this funky office with other startupy people and he's got a he's got a wisecracking assistant like i don't know it seemed oh, so this is exactly why i haven't started watching silicon valley that's exactly what i expect like oh okay yep yep there's the pretentious founder that nobody really likes who wears a sweatshirt all the time you know, like all the like stereotypical Silicon Valley stuff. Well, so anyway, so that's it for Alex Inc. So that then like goes into, so that's what not hot dog is. So yeah, so no, that's not what Silicon Valley is. And you should definitely watch it. It does have a lot of like stereotypical things, but it's actually done in a really good way. But yeah, not hot dog is, is an application that was on the show itself a couple of weeks ago, um, where they were supposed to like, well, spoilers, people, but there's a character on the show who was uh, pitching some VCs on an app, and then his like business partner completely changes what it's supposed to be, and then they make it into what's supposed to be Shazam for food. But then the guy who doesn't really want to make the app uh, just makes an app called uh, Hot Dog or Not Hot Dog, and it uses machine learning to tell you if uh, a food is a hot dog or not. <laughs> And then the reason why it's like it just the fact that they actually made it and put it into the app store is was just like the best thing ever. Like, have you ever you ever been on the website Product Hunt? And I cannot say I have. So it's it's something that like a bunch of, like all like startupy people use, and it just shows like uh, new new ideas every day of like new products and stuff. And it's a good way to like launch your thing if you don't have a ton of promotional uh, connections. And it was like the top thing on Product Hunt, and the and the character in the show had his own profile. Like, and it was just it was done extremely well. And that's one of the things I like about the show is like that just they 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 get the culture and you just do all their advertising and social stuff in a, in a really fun way. 
Okay. Yeah. No. I. Okay. I. I probably need to watch that show. <laughs> but yeah, not hot dog. Although I have to say this. This. So I'm looking at Product Hunt. This is the first time I've been on this site. It doesn't make the best first impression with this image of a cat with Google Glass. Eh, that's that's kind of the humor. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. But no, if you look at um I think there's a there's a list some there's a something on the site where it shows you like the best of every single day. So um hmm. yeah, I'd look at that. Um but yeah, uh, and the company that makes not hot dog is called uh seafood technology. S E E F O O D. Sure. It's great. Yeah. All right. Uh where else? What else? That's pretty much it. Um, then before we get into Better Call Saul, just one quick throwaway thing that um, happened this week that a lot of people got up in arms about. Did you see the thing about um, Uber's, not dynamic pricing, but their pricing based on what they think the user will pay? I, I did see this, yeah. And Darth, Darth had, some, <laughs> had some really good tweets about it. Yeah, again, he, he's, he's a very smart guy. He knows his fancy uh, rich people restaurants. Because uh, he, he, he had a good tweet there about, uh, per se, the uh, Thomas Keller restaurant, which, which people will remember from a couple episodes ago. That's right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the pertinent point here is uh, from an article, uh, Daniel Graf, Uber's head of products, said upfront pricing can't be summed up in a simple formula. He said the company applies machine learning techniques to estimate how much groups of customers are willing to shell out for a ride. Uber calculates riders' propensity for paying a higher price for a particular route at a certain time of day. For instance, someone traveling from a wealthy neighborhood to another Tony spot might be asked to pay more than another person heading to a poorer part of town, even if demand, traffic, and distance are the same. Uber calls this route-based pricing. So I like this. Hmm. Go on. I just think I th- I think it's a smart way to run a business. <sighs> like, I, I don't, like, there's so many people that, <laughs> like, I don't want to get, I'm not going to talk politics or any, any social stuff here but like so many people were so felt like this was such a social injustice like on twitter for the six hours this was like the top story that people like in in like the t-word circles were talking about like i just i don't know like i i've struggled to feel sorry for a bunch of people making two hundred thousand dollars a year at their engineering job uh being bummed out that an algorithm knows that they're rich and uh is going to charge them from hopping between their uh their trendy spot to their fancy non-rent controlled apartment like i i I just struggle to feel bad about this i I mean yeah i don't i don't know if feeling bad is is what how i would describe this but it just outraged right but hmm, i don't know i mean it's it, it 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 is it's it potentially savvy business but, but, but not potential. It, it is. Well, no, I, I say potentially because from a PR social perspective, I'm just not <laughs> really sure. It's, it's you know, the... we're talking about Uber, right? <laughs> okay, fair, fair point. It's like saying the Trump administration has a PR problem. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's <laughs> wow. That's really good. That's really good. The irony of it is that Kalanick uh, had the sense to get off his little advisory council. But anyway, like, yeah, I just I just don't (laughs) I don't feel bad 
I don't know. Like it makes sense. Like he like and but this type of thing has been around forever. Like it's um, like what is the uh, econ term for this? Like where depending on like where you market or advertise something and who you think is buying it. Like and this happens a lot with like airline tickets and stuff. Like where does it, based on the channel that this purchase happens or where it's advertised, like the prices are different and you advertise at a, at a certain price point uh, to a certain type of customer, hoping that just the cost of the good is as high as that particular market segment is willing to pay. Like I, this isn't new. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> that was fun to watch. Just everybody getting so, so indignant about this. All right. And then, that's mainly it. Yeah, uh, we'll save uh, things three for another week. Uh, but, but have you looked at that at all? Just a little bit, but yeah, let's okay. let's save that. For yeah, next yeah, week. let's save it. All right, and I don't actually have a ton to talk about. Better Call Saul, so this might be quick. So, did you watch it? I did. Slow, slow episode. I, I think we got a couple of important little bits that we can talk about, but overall, uh, overall, kind of a kind of a filler episode. If if I'm being honest, yeah, a little bit. Like, I mean. Yeah, it struggled to keep my attention a little bit. Um, like the stuff with Mike and uh, Nacho, and, and I don't know the name of the the guy who bought the Hummer in, in last season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he has a name, but um, yeah, weird, uh, strange pharmaceutical guy. Right. Uh, that B- stuff baseball was, card guy. Yeah, it was like super, super interesting. Um, like and just Mike's whole like yeah, Mike is one of the most interesting characters in this entire thing. Um, but just thinking about like him trying to be a few steps ahead of kind of what's going on with uh, the Salamancas. And there was a lot of foreshadowing as to, because when in Breaking Bad, when we saw kind of what the deal with uh, uh, Hector was, is that he's obviously not a well man. And we can assume that whatever Nacho is about to do is probably what causes him to be that way. Um, so yeah, so that whole thing was 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 very, very interesting. And then you had the whole um, Kim feeling increasingly guilty about kind of her role in the uh, taking down of, um, why do I never remember his name? <laughs> Chuck. You really don't. That's amazing. I, I Just every week. It's, yeah, yeah, Chuck. Uh, taking down of Chuck. Um, and yeah, I, yeah, just like the scene with um, that lead counsel person from Mesa Verde uh just kind of reinforcing that what she did was probably not so proud um what was was uh, a good way to kind of move that story along and to, to kind of give us some more character development on uh with Kim yeah and when I think I think that at least for me when I was saying that you know there's these little kind of nuggets in this episode that's the biggest one for me because I if I had to guess now, I, I, you know, we've been speculating for a while, sort of like, why, like, where's Kim going to go? Why isn't she in Better Call Saul? Why isn't she still in, in Jimmy's life when, when we meet him in, in Better Call Saul or in uh, Breaking Bad or other? And I think it's, mm-hmm. I think this could be it. I think, you know, playing this out, if something happens to Chuck, maybe Chuck ends up committing suicide or maybe something else ends up happening to Chuck. And if Kim feels that she contributed to that, maybe that's what ultimately tears her and uh, Jimmy apart, especially in light of what happens at the end of the episode too, where exactly. Jimmy's sort of, you know, he's twisting the knife further into Chuck and he's continuing to kind of 
torture him and whereas Kim's kind of going the opposite direction so I could I could see that now being sort of what ultimately breaks them apart yeah and and specifically with that last episode so what is what was the suggestion of what's going to happen like because of his breakdown on the stand does that mean his malpractice insurance is going to go up or what like what what was the the um, like the suggestion of what's going to happen yeah, I think at the very least his his premiums will, will go up on his malsurance um insurance uh malpractice insurance um or I mean alternatively maybe he just won't be able to get coverage at all. I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah, so that was a good uh yeah, I was wondering where that was going at the end, but that that was that was pretty good. Um and then the rest of it, I mean, like the whole, like I'm, I'm not, like I, I know what the purpose of Jimmy's whole uh, advertising side business thing is, just showing, like, just kind of he, he's desperate for money, like he's got to figure this stuff out. But that for me has just not been terribly interesting. So I guess that's that was kind of maybe half the episode where that's kind of been maybe why I haven't been super invested. So, so I, I, I agree. I and mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you on that, but I, I think to play devil's advocate on that point, I would say that one thing I was a little nervous about actually after the previous episode where we kind of first get to see the Saul Goodman persona, it, it kind of seemed like Jimmy all of a sudden is like flipped the switch and all of a sudden he became Saul in that little commercial he shot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that felt a little cheap. Like really, he's just, he's just basically going to become Saul Goodman like overnight, just like that. But but no, actually, they've kind of taken this step back and, you know, his evolution to becoming Saul is going to be gradual. Like it didn't didn't just happen overnight, which I think, I don't know, just it makes that transition I or I think will make that transition a lot more believable. And I think it'll ultimately stick a little bit more as opposed to if it had just, you know, happened overnight. Yeah, definitely. And I assume that's probably more of where this goes, where since he's kind of said that for the remainder of like that one year lease that they have on the office, that he he will contribute his half to the rent, all that kind of stuff. So I assume that um, his his lack of success with the advertising thing will give us the the groundwork for how he becomes more desperate and maybe more, more ethically uh, flexible than he already is. Ethi- ethically flexible. Sounds a lot like, like our current administration, but but anyway, I was going to say that was from Uber's selected financial <laughs> release. <laughs> it it could have gone either way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> boy, oh boy! This this show has really consistent themes. Yeah, it really does. So, you know, if 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 you can tell, there's else. only been one 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 set of writers. <laughs> That's right. It's it's not season three, and and Aaron Sorkin stopped stopped showing up to work, <laughs> and and Rob Lowe left the show. Oh, man, I'm sad. Uh, yeah. All right, let's let's do picks of the week because it's getting long. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if I don't know if if this has been a, a pick of the week in the in the past, but even if it has, I I'm I'm bringing it back up because of of what's been going on. But this is Wilson the Golden Retriever on Instagram. He's he's been on a on a road trip for this past week, and and will continue to be for these next couple of weeks, and. In what has otherwise been a very dark, you know, dark news week for, for the for the past for the past, I mean, if we're being honest, three months, but particularly over these last couple of weeks, 
um, this has been a um, a pleasant bright spot. Yeah, he's pretty great. He's 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 been he's been in our hood uh, for the past few days or our old hood. So that's um, he's he's just such a good little guy. He's he's just always so happy, and he, he's kind of the best. And like this, this the scarves are great. His his first time at at the beach was awesome to watch. Like you said, he he was right right in our right in our hometown. This is just 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 been a spectacular week for um the Wilson dot Golden Retriever Instagram account. Yeah, so uh, um double endorsement, and then my pick of the week, uh, and I've I've been posting about this all day since I found it. But uh the the Onion did a fantastic gigantic series. It was probably like a whole ton of work that they released all at once. Uh, called the Trump documents, pretending that they got like a WikiLeaks style dump of um a bunch of stuff from the current administration. And it's all just so perfect. Like some of the things they have are um, uh, children's letters to the president, uh, daily schedules of um, various staffers, uh, like meeting notes, like tons of stuff, like presidential briefings. Like, uh, did you see the um, Trump's daily briefing, like Crayola sketchy thing? (laughs) I didn't. I didn't see that one, which speaks to how much content is in here because I, I i did look through this uh let me send it over so yeah so like one of them like there's a a children's letter to the president one where i'm just gonna read my favorite uh mr trump hello my name is elizabeth and i'm in mrs mckee's class we are writing to, for a project my dad said not to because you are a ba- uh, because you are bad but mrs mckee said i have to and actually you are really just a figurehead of a bigger problem <laughs> sincerely elizabeth that's pretty good. And then the, the, the president briefings thing is just like, can you, can you unscrabble, unscramble the G7 members? And it's, just, it's, it's so mean, but it's so good. Yeah. It's just, this is just, it just is a, just a staggering amount of work. This page actually scrolls down further than I remember it. Oh yeah. It's crazy. So I think it's, it's, it's the, you'll have a link in the show. So I think it's the onion.com slash Trump documents or something. Yeah. Yeah. We've got it. We've got it here in the notes. That's it. 